Hi, folks. This is Mike Callahan again. Welcome back. Um, got a really uh, interesting uh, person in the virtual studio today. His name is Dr. Bruce Hurwitz. And uh, Dr. Hurwitz focuses on helping veterans find opportunities. And that's really our sweet spot. That's what this whole podcast is about. And I'm really uh, excited about uh, getting him uh, in, into, the, into the studio. Uh, before we do that, I want to give another shout out to Jeff Devereaux with No Veteran Left Behind for the support that uh, Jeff continues to provide to the podcast. I appreciate the work that uh, he continues to do. But uh, I'd like to uh, get into this without uh, further ado, get into this little discussion with uh, Dr. Hurwitz. Uh, first off, if you would, uh, Doctor, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background and, and maybe how you got into the line of business that you're in. Well, Mike, thank you very much for the uh, invitation to be on your podcast. It's a pleasure and an honor. And if you call me doctor one more time, I'm going to reach through the uh, computer and slap you. Okay. I got you, Bruce. The, um, the doctorate is in international relations. I lived in Israel for 13 years, and I uh, got my degrees from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. I mention that because every so often somebody makes the mistake of thinking I'm a real quote-unquote doctor. And that's why I will use the PhD, but it's always best to make certain that people know I am not a psychologist and certainly not a physician. My background was originally academia and the nonprofit sector. When I moved back to the States, I rejoined the nonprofit sector. And one day, as happens with most people, I got tired with what I was doing. So I went to a recruiter who specialized in the uh, nonprofit sector, hoping that he would have a client who was looking to hire me. Uh, he offered me a job, so I made a career change that was totally unexpected, and it turned out I was pretty good at it. One of the questions that I would always ask my candidates was, what do you care about? So when I decided to go out on my own, I realized that all of the nonprofits, all the charities that I personally supported dealt with veterans in one way or another. So... Coming from a nonprofit background, when I started my own company, I wanted it to be mission-based. So the mission of the company was and is to support the hiring of veterans. The lawyer I used at the time made me, it wasn't like he was uh, twisting my arm. He said, you got to add Merchant Marine to the um, uh, to the mission. So I gladly did. So the mission of the company is support the hiring of veterans. But as of, I guess, uh, two days ago, what I am doing now is my career counseling services. I have a package, which it's a flat fee because I don't believe in uh, creating what I call relationships of dependency. That's when you hire somebody for six months, they give you a really low fee, and then all of a sudden in the seventh month, it goes up exponentially and you've wasted all your money because you still don't have a job. And now you're stuck with, or you think you're stuck with this guy or gal. So that package, one flat fee, 
until the person gets their next job is still available, of course, to veterans of the armed forces and merchant marine. But I've expanded it to include law enforcement, healthcare professionals, by which I mean physicians, nurses, medical technicians, EMTs, physical, occupational, and recreational therapists, psychologists, firefighters, and their spouses. That is how I am giving practical assistance to who I refer to globally and first and foremost veterans as far as career counseling is concerned because they are, as you know, in a very special in some ways unique situation in that the most important quality characteristic for successfully getting a job, especially transferring from one career to another, is being able to communicate. And that is my sweet spot. I help them to communicate, to be able to relay what they did in the military to a civilian without literally scaring them. So that's me in a nutshell. You know, there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind when when you're talking. Uh, One of the things that I'm doing is I'm working with the Project Management Institute, PMI, and specifically with the Great Lakes chapter, focusing on helping veterans learn about project management. And so that's another hat that I'm wearing. And that might be something that would be beneficial for you if you knew about it or you could advise uh, veterans to check out project management kinds of opportunities. Because when they're talking about what they're good at, they're project managers. They're, they're, that's what they're doing, but they don't necessarily know the terminology associated with that. And so getting even getting a CAPM or PMP certification might be something. But the other thing that uh, comes to mind is we also work with, in this area, there's a lot of veterans, but there's a lot of government people that are working side by side with veterans. They're civilians, but they're in the same environment, the same, you know, they're working at the... Well, you remind me of one of the first um, candidates I had. I thought he was a veteran. He was a senior accountant at Walter Reed. This was 15 years ago. I'm sure he's not there any longer. So I don't think I'm violating any uh, confidences or any confidentiality. He was looking to um, leave. And I just assumed that he was a veteran. And in the middle of a conversation, he said, Bruce, I'm not a veteran. And then he explained to me that the majority of people working in the accounting department at Walter Reed are civilians or were at the time. And it never really dawned on me. Then I had a problem. I submitted a candidate, a colonel, to a um, client. I forget what the position was, but they needed someone who had, I don't think it was managerial, but it's not important. Let's say that the number one criteria was managerial uh, experience. And the word manager did not appear in the colonel's resume, even though he was responsible, in essence, for the successful processing of all 
new members of the United States military. And she called me up and she said, he has no managerial experience. So I explained to her what his job was, even though I thought it was very clear on the resume. And she said, yeah, but the word manager does not appear. So he's not a manager. And they're stupid and there's idiotic. And I readily admit I'm not good at dealing with either type of people. I do not suffer fools well. Couldn't convince her. And the entire um, project fell through. Couldn't work with the woman. Then another person I submitted a resume to, I said, I got a great guy. He's a graduate of West Point. And she was thrilled. And she told everyone, Bruce is sending me a graduate of uh, West Point. This should be good. I sent the resume. She called me up furious and said, you told me he was a graduate of West Point. I have his resume. He's not a graduate of West Point. I said, hang on. I may have sent you the wrong resume by mistake. I looked. And I said, no, look at page two. Education says United States Military Academy. And she said, it doesn't say West Point. That's not West Point. Now, you got to just... It, 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 it's in a case like this, it's a shame that this is an audio broadcast because you can see the expression on my face. What do you do with people like this? Well, you make sure that it's always United States Military Academy, West Point, New York, United States Naval Academy, Annapolis, Maryland, because you don't know what the civilian knows and doesn't know. So you have to make it simple. I once told a um, very stubborn veteran who didn't want to listen to me, when you're finished making the changes to your resume, not the ones that I'm telling you to make, the ones that you want to make, find yourself a 12-year-old and read it to them. And if they understand it, then it's a good resume. About six months later, he contacted me, said he didn't take my advice, couldn't get a job, offer. The phone wasn't ringing. Then he took my advice, redid the resume, showed it to his 10-year-old neighbor, read it to her. She understood it. And then the phone started ringing. You have to know how to communicate with the civilians because the civilians are not going to bother to learn how to communicate with you, you being the veteran. It's a pity, but there's a statistic that I don't believe has changed. If anything, it's gotten worse, that only 1% of the population has ever had any personal interaction with a veteran. So veterans speak a foreign language. One of the things, a simple example, what is your rank? And the answer is, and I'm making this up, E5. Well, nobody knows what E5 is. People know rank, and I'm not trying to be funny, from the TV show MASH. They know what a private is, a corporal is, a sergeant is, all the way up to a colonel and a general. They don't know from ease. They don't know what that means. Now, sometimes the veteran can get into trouble, perhaps too uh, hard a word, but into difficulty because they will say something like, I supervised X number of troops. Well, for a civilian, supervision in the military means this is what you're going to do. You are going to do it. And if you don't do it, you are going to be thrown in jail. Well, that's not true. A supervisor, a commanding officer, a sergeant, whoever is in charge, has to speak to his troops, get their input, 
almost get their buy-in, not on the mission, but on how to complete it. And civilians do not understand that. You're, you're really raising such a good point, and I, and I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's the whole idea of how they tell their story and don't assume that they use their own, because that's the world they, are, they, were, they were in. Right. It worked, and it was effective for them. But it's a different world out here. Um, you know, we could go on. There's, there's, I think between you and I, we've got a lot of passion, a lot of interest in this whole topic. And I'm really happy to hear that you're that you're helping veterans, helping them tell that story in a more effective manner. Um, I, I, I probably need to kind of cut this off in a little while. I don't want to get too long. But is there any final suggestions or thoughts that you have about uh, what veterans should do and how do they contact you? We'll have that information, I guess, on the podcast. Is that what you recommend um, to, to reach out to you? The, well, the answer, the last question first, uh, the best way to reach me is through my website, which is hsstaffing.com. And my phone number is there, my email is there, but H like Harry, S like Sam, the word staffing.com. Uh, you mentioned, now I forgot what the first question was you asked. Any, any final thoughts? Any, you know, uh, you're definitely telling the story, but if there's anything else beyond that that, that you want to leave our, student, or our uh, veterans with. Thank you. Always remember who your audience is. If you are looking, if I remember correctly, it's um, 91%, you'll probably know better than I, 91% of all positions in the military have an equal civilian counterpart. The uh, a warehouse manager is a warehouse manager. It doesn't matter if it's guns and bullets or paper and pens, a warehouse manager in, civi in, the in civilian life knows what a warehouse manager in the military does. They speak the same language. They may even use the same uh, software. Mm -hmm. You have to remember to whom you are speaking and therefore avoid the acronyms, avoid stories of what you did in the military, which may make civilians uncomfortable. One very quick example to end on because it's a rather funny story. I received a uh, resume from a sniper and it read like a resume from a sniper. And he was an, obviously an excellent sniper. I called him up and because I was laughing, I said, I'm not gonna charge you anything for, for doing this. And I usually give, I always give everybody a 15 minute free uh, consultation. This took a little bit longer. Said, don't worry about it. There's no employer who's going to hire a sniper to be a sniper. So you have to forget about what you did as a sniper, but on focusing on the skills that made you an excellent sniper, because that's what employers will be interested in. Right. Another real example is that um, there was a gentleman in quality assurance, IT, and he only wanted to hire persons involved with um, explosive, uh, um, I'm forgetting the terminology, the um, 
disarming of, of explosives because he wanted people who could sit and concentrate and be focused because if someone is disarming a bomb and they're not focused, they're going to have a problem. Absolutely. So he said, I can teach anybody how to code. I can teach the IT to anybody. I can't teach them the skill that will make them successful. And veterans have a lot of skills that will make them successful in the civilian world. They just have to learn. And with all due modesty, I'm pretty good at helping them do this. They have to learn how to focus on that, on the skill set that made them a success in the military. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good uh, bottom line to leave it on right now. This is tell your story, make it simple, make it uh, effective, make it listen to who you're talking to. I mean, pay attention to your audience. It's a different audience. And it sounds like you're really doing some some great work with veterans, and I'm happy to have met you and uh, I'm glad that you were able to uh, participate in the in the podcast. So, I thank you again, Mike. It's been an yeah. honor. Take care, be safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. And to you. Thank you, sir. You bet.